2: Mike Mulligan. Bears, bears, bears,
0: bears, football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often.
3: David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as
0: good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Wait, off the mark on the right side, leaking out. Lamine from Caruso and the windmill right-handed slam dunk. Zach Levine eating some mile-high rim. Williams gives it up to Kobe outside the three-point arc on the right, puts it on the deck, double on the ball, dribble drive, finds Williams, open left side three. Got it! Back to back to back, Jacks! DeRozan with a spin, Vooch. On a pop, on a drive, works on Jokic, jump hook, right hand, gut, Jokic, dribble drive on Williams, lost the ball, turned it over, the lead to the Rosen. and a right-handed dump right in the grill of Contavious caldwell pope and this ball game is over. Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win in the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, 117.96 over the Denver Nuggets. Wow, what a ball game all around for your Chicago Bulls. Very, very impressive. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Ah, you gotta love it here, folks. On 670 The Score. Don't you dare turn the dial here, folks. Let's go.
2: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Like a horror movie monster, Mr. David The Bulls are back. The Bulls
3: are (laughs) back. Morning, Molly. Happy Thursday. It was a great night. Yeah, what a lead-in for our show. Chuck, thank you very much. He's the pregame show. And if you were listening to the Bulls on the score or watching them staying up way too late, you were rewarded. That was one of those games that I think when you look back, I know there haven't been a lot of high moments for the Bulls. It's tough to top what happened last night in Denver.
2: Zach Levine was phenomenal, and Vooch outplayed the MVP. Yes. I don't know what more you want. I don't that know what was, more you could you ask for.
3: That was a Rocky Mountain high. <laughs> it was. How about the Nuggets coming in, I got having a 30 out of 34 victories at home, and uh, they lose to the Bulls. I
2: got a theory. You want my
3: theory? Get, tell me your theory.
2: A.K. Gate did the scouting report himself. <laughs> well. He knows that team inside and out. Let's just say he was due. <laughs> he was due. <laughs> Something good had to happen. It was a
3: good moment for the Bulls. I, I think it's one of those moments where you enjoy and you appreciate because it was good basketball. Very efficient with Zach Levine. He's explosive and efficient on nights like yeah. last night. Good. You mentioned Vooch. But it also underscores how frustrating this year has been because you know what they're capable of doing. And how well they're capable of playing. And you see where they are in the standings. And you want more of what we saw last night.
2: Well, they're only a game out of the play-in game. I don't know the purpose of all that. Like We could talk about that. But they clearly are interested in getting into the play-in game. So they got a few nights off. They picked up ground. And now they won in a, in a really impressive fashion against a really good team who, as we talked about, doesn't lose a lot of games at home.
3: Well, the schedule was their friend going into Denver because right. I think they needed the time. But now it sounded like when you heard Billy Donovan postgame, now he kind of fears the time off. You got a couple days before going into Houston to play the Rockets, a team you should beat, but he wants to keep the momentum going. You wonder, because of the way the season has gone, what you're going to get from the Bulls. Uh, on Saturday night. You just don't know. You you you
2: have to be able to
3: you, you have to, but we've said that They're how in many full times tank before? Mode. But how many times have we said that before? How many times have we expected the Bulls to take care of business and then they've struggled against teams they should beat. They're coming off a game they yes, should have won right. at home against the yes. Pacers.
2: But but this is a Houston team that will probably be more upset if uh, they beat the oh, Bulls, they would. then the Bulls would they have <laughs> they their
3: sights a, set on uh, a Frenchman. Yeah, one oh. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah.
2: That's that, gonna be fun.
3: That that is their objective. That's the Bulls it. have to they have to view the play in game no matter how we want to define it from the outside, no matter how many external People will be scoffing at them at the notion of boy they're, they're good the play in game, and what's the difference between the play in and the playoffs? They can't worry about that internally. they just have to keep their season going for as long as they possibly can.
2: Are you getting into any of the college hoop is it Is it starting to work its magic? Oh sure I mean
3: you, you have a passing you know. interest i um I saw the Big Ten tournament started yesterday in yes. town, so that's the obviously our local uh, interest level, The uh, Nebraska was eliminated. Fred Hoiberg's season came to an no. abrupt end. It did. It did. Today gets a little bit more interesting with the Illini in action, and tomorrow, obviously, Northwestern plays. But, yes, DePaul, the Blue Demons. Big win. Big win for them in the Big East tournament. Big win for DePaul. Jim
2: Beheim, Big loss.
3: Big loss for Jim Beheim. So those two stories are a little bit very different because DePaul <laughs> – Liz, to see another day, we'll talk to Zach Zabin, our guy, at 9 o'clock about the confusion at the end of that game. It was a clean block. Yes. And at first, as we heard coming in on our pregame show, there was some confusion over that. I'm glad they got it right because DePaul, they can look at that as – well, they had lost 12 in a row, Molly, 12 in a row. They hadn't won since they beat Xavier, the team they'll play today. And they needed that in in the worst way, so that was good for DePaul. Meanwhile, Jim Beheim steps aside.
2: No, no, Jim Beheim retired, and I don't mean by his own uh, volition. Let's take a listen to Jim Beheim. I've
0: just been lucky to be able to coach this long. I, I think you missed it. <clears throat> well, I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it. In the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William William Payne figured it out. Are you saying right now that you you you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You you want to come back? I didn't say that. Uh, okay, but so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, I think but you're I not just saying, said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you you're not sure whether you're when will you, when will how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy.
2: That's a guy that does not want to retire. That's a guy who was retired.
0: That's a guy who who needs to
3: retire.
2: Um, Okay. I mean, (laughs) there's there's a lot to go over, but 47 years later, and the guy's been there like his entire adult life, right? Didn't he walk on and then became an assistant? Since he was 18 years old. Okay. Yeah. And how old is he?
3: I think he's 77, 78 years old.
2: 78, I believe. I'm just saying Okay,
3: seventy eight years old, he's, he's been there since he's, he's sixty that's years. It's a long
2: time. Yeah, it's a long time. And 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 he's not included in the uh the the announcement of his retirement. Well, if
3: you're asking me to feel some sympathy for Jim Beheim, I'm not gonna do that because he has he, if you're asking me to to find a way to un- understand why he didn't have a more graceful exit there at the end, it's not hard for me to grasp. He makes everything difficult. Okay. He makes everything more complicated than it needs to be. By the way, my perception is that he treats people. And when you treat people a certain way, you have exchanges like we just listened to. This doesn't have to be hard. He doesn't want to go away, but hey, read the room. 60 years later, it's time to go. The team wasn't playing at a high level. It's it's not really... I know you should be able to write your own
2: I just think after forty five after forty five years, yeah, they gotta consult with you before you leave. That's all I'm saying. I, I I understand that he's not a likable person. And there are a lot of people that don't like Jim Beheim, and there's a lot of people that believe he's one of the more overrated coaches ever. I mean, that ever. There's a lot of people and David raises a hand who have that belief. I'm just saying when a guy is there, like he, when a guy reaches kind of institution level, you ought to at least have the conversation so he knows he's retired.
3: I, I, I like the way you're giving him respect, and I respect that about the way you're speaking about Jim Beheim. He is somebody who has uh, accomplished so much in college basketball. And I guess overall, when you look at the body of work, it, it's an impressive one, and he's got a legacy that speaks for itself. I am not making this assumption that you're making that they haven't tried to ease him out and make this as graceful of an exit as possible, and he has complicated and put a spanner in the works, if you will. This is not a guy that goes away easily. This is not a guy that does anything uh, gracefully. So my sense is that he's going to make this as complicated as possible and go away kicking and screaming or pouting. And what we heard yesterday, post game was a pout. (laughs) <laughs> he does not want to uh, confirm anything. Ugh. He does not want to agree to anything. And you, you found out right after the press conference when they issued mm-hmm. a press release basically firing him. So Jim Bayheim, graceful or not, gone. That's yeah. okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay.
2: Yeah, I He's got He's been it. around a long
3: time. How about Billy Donovan being asked before the Bulls game about Jim Bayheim? He coached against him at sure. Florida, certainly, but going way back. Let's go in the Wayback Machine, 1987, Providence Friars, Final Four. Yes. This is what came to mind. Billy Donovan's Providence team lost to Bayheim in the Final Four and Syracuse because Syracuse won that night to play Indiana, I believe, in the NCAA Final. And Billy Donovan goes so far back with Bayheim that he played against the Syracuse team that Beheim coached. Yeah. That's That's longevity
2: couldn't overcome that zone
3: that two three zone (laughs) that two three zone you know it's the it's just right it's so complicated it's so complex what you need are athletes and they got them at syracuse but i always felt like that was overstated how brilliant this two three zone was
2: yeah you're not a bayheim guy i'm i'm learning that just i'm reading the room i'm just saying all right but he, he was he is gone that is the end of an era, um forty seven years. And um yeah, the press release does not quote Jim Beheim. Ask them. Why doesn't it quote him? Ask them. <laughs> I I wondered what time the party was yeah. at the Syracuse student
3: newspaper. Oh boy. Uh, that yeah. guy just picked on too many people over for yes. too many years. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I saw who who was it? I saw somebody wrote about uh one of the first coaches who ever gave him a hard time is when he was writing at the Syracuse newspaper it was Jim Beheim, and I started laughing I was like good god how many people have that claim to yeah, fame exactly. or that, that yeah. brush with fame yeah and I don't even think, I think Jim might have been a uh an assistant coach
3: with him time. it's a brush off with fame
2: <laughs> all right so uh so we do have a lot of fun stuff going on. The Bears on the clock. And guess what? They are itching to spend some money, so much so that they gave uh, Kari game a uh, two-year extension. Hey, the fullback back is back. I yep. like
3: that. Yep. You know, any time that you can make your football team a little tougher and make a statement about how much you're going to you know, still run the ball, I, I like
2: fullbacks. I like them on my roster. I, I, I have no problem with them uh, signing him. I, I think there's a whole bunch of conversations that we can have about who they should sign and how quickly they should jump on that. And uh, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they do in free agency before we get to the whole draft thing. And I'm also looking forward to whether or not uh, the general manager wants to trade uh, his first round pick before the start of free agency. It's a curious comment that he made and I'm, waiting to see what it means.
3: It it's, seems like it means that he's trying to you know, start the engine a little bit on the uh, uh, the trade machine because maybe it's not going as fast as he would like. I don't, I don't know what else
2: My would, only would compel
3: would be, you to want to make a deal yeah. before the value is maximized.
2: I would think that maybe if you're planning on making a couple deals, you want to get the first one done. Maybe.
3: If, if that's the case, but I, it depends on how far down you well, want you to trade. Well, you can't go that. very far at that point. Yeah, so if you're making two deals, you're gonna, yeah, that you you would start that process sooner probably than you would think. But if you also are keeping all of your options open, yes, I, I think you shouldn't be in a hurry.
2: No, I agree. It's a waiting game, and you got to play your cards close to the vest and see uh, what it looks like. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. Um, but they are on the clock, so that's interesting stuff. Your, Rob, your Chicago Blackhawks had a two to nothing lead, and you thought, oh no, not again. But they came through and they lost to the uh, the hated Red Wings four to three.
3: They were playing really well for two periods, and mm-hmm. then um, the Red Wings t- took care of business. and And I think that was a not a bad outcome because now that the Hawks have unloaded everybody, I. Uh, think they need to pay attention to the tankathon.com standings. I am a little surprised to hear or to see the reports about Jonathan Tays having a pending return. So I don't know what purpose that would serve other than to maybe, you know, give him a a send off. I
2: emphasize he's the last guy standing.
3: Maybe that's, maybe that would be the purpose of it. I hope that he's healthy. That would be the encouraging thing. So if Jonathan Tays wants to come back and to see where he is, as, as the season finishes and maybe his his Blackhawk tenure ends, then I'm all for that. Whatever he wants to do and however he wants to handle it, uh, I would, you know, he's got to put his health first. I'm just curious to see how they handle the farewell and you talk about a graceful exit, find out how they, you know, stage that, which parking lot will be cleared so we can have the chalk tribute to Jonathan taze
2: the, uh, the White Sox had a rough outing from Dylan Cease. I wondered if you we were going to get to that. Yeah, oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's more information after that, but let's just start with Dylan Cease. He, he had to leave the game in the first inning because he was just getting rocked. He, rocked. He, like, walked the bases loaded, gave up a grand slam. I mean, it was pretty ugly, but it's, it's exhibition season, and who knows what he's working on, right? So bottom line is he comes back in the second inning. Uh, he left after throwing 23 pitches. Then he comes back in the second inning, and by the time he was finished, 11 runs on two outs, over two innings. <laughs> That's going to leave a mark. That, on your the, ERA. that
3: requires an explanation. I, I think that I
2: thought he was pretty funny after he, he was he, very he could funny. Have cared
3: less. He I, didn't seem too shaken. I like the way that he handled it, and yeah. I think that we should probably follow his lead. You're right in saying you never know what these pitchers are working on. They may try something different. They may try uh, to adjust the rhythm to the pitch clock. There's a lot of trial and error and experimenting going on in spring training, and I would think it's wise to chalk this up to that.
2: Um, the the probables now for the for the White Sox, you got Jesse Schulten uh, starting against Team Columbia today. Everyone's playing uh, exhibition games. Uh, against some of the uh, the World the Baseball Classic teams. And the Cubs did it yesterday. And I got to tell you, I watched a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the rules weren't a part of the World Baseball Classic. So the new rules don't apply. Well, and, w- and you know who was really stunned? Was Did you see Shorebomb? He was like, "Wait a minute! They can they can shift for me." I okay. didn't see that. Oh, that was great. So Schwarber reacted to Schwarber the, was like, he, They were playing someone, and he the shift. He was surprised that he was just being told that they yeah they're, they're gonna shift to get what?
3: That is pretty funny. <laughs> I thought we outlawed that. Yeah, I saw some of the Cub game against Team Canada. Oh Canada! Oh Canada! And I I noticed or tried to detect if Brian Dempster was at all conflicted in the booth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, the sucks. I got to get to this. So, we you got Friday, Lucas Giolito mm-hmm. against the Cubs. Saturday, your guy, Mike Clevenger, against the Padres. A lot of bad blood, Clevenger and the Padres. Former Sox, team. Sox stuck in the middle of it.
3: Yeah. Well, that's his first uh, real start, right? He had a B yes. game start. And we'll find out where he is and if he is as far along as he suggested when he talked about you know, his progress this spring on the mound and the Sox have been very – positive and, and complimentary about his progress so we'll wait and see I, yeah if not if necessarily we, with bated breath if but. we
2: see it it would be a Padres broadcast right because the Sox don't broadcast again until Sunday I believe so mercifully they're not, not gonna lie I don't not have not the Sox
3: spring training uh TV broadcast memorized in terms of the of my, I the don't schedule. have it
2: memorized but there's so few and far between <laughs> you, I happen to know it's circled you on circle down your calendar <laughs> I heard them Sunday. when they were signing off yesterday Okay, say they'd be back on Sunday. Steve and uh, Jason? Yes, it was Steve and Jason. It was good. They're really in mid-season form. They're having a lot of laughs. That's good. They're joking around with each other. I did
3: not consume any White Sox baseball except for the highlights or lowlights, and then I saw the Dylan Cease interview. I watched a little bit about uh, of the Cubs because it's just easier to access at this point. And um, uh, the Bulls stayed up way too late watching the Bulls because I couldn't believe what I was seeing.
2: Yeah, uh, the Bulls were really good, and they were moving the ball really well. And Zach Levine, I think Vooch said it after the game. Did I read that? That Zach Levine, when he makes uh, quick decisions and the right decisions, Decisive. That, that was decisive. the key word. That was the
3: word. That, that was the word being thrown around a lot post-game. He they were very, very decisive. Good. And Zach Levine has been very good in playing at the level you expect him to play since the All-Star break especially, averaging around 30, making really good decisions with shot selection, and, and getting healthy, people involved. Maybe?
2: I think Is obviously that, does you Does that see, make you revisit the beginning of the season?
3: I think it does, in fairness, yeah, because right. he takes a lot of criticism for having you know the max contract and not having a lot of games where you, you he re- responded in the way that we – expected him to, or the contract suggests he would. That was early, and I think he was feeling it out. He looks healthy, he's explosive, and he's efficient.
2: We'll get into all the fun storylines in college basketball, Um, but I noticed that uh, Porter and his Oklahoma team did lose to Oklahoma State yesterday, so they're eliminated from that tournament. That bummed me out. The Ramblers, I don't even even know if they played in that tournament. I did see a little bit of the game. (laughs) They did. They lost. Yeah. Say Joe. But they were out of it before. They were pretty they even, much out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Not a shot. Not a good
3: year. And Notre Dame ended the season. And, and Notre Mike, Dame. Mike Bray. Yeah, Mike His Bray. career now over.
2: And Jim Phillips gave him a nice little uh, send-off. So that was, that nice. was nice. Jim yeah, Phillips, Jim a
3: commissioner Mike. of the ACC, he was there when Mike Bray was hired at Notre Dame. So they go way back. And I know that they still have a very good relationship. And you hope Mike Bray – Ends up wherever he wants because mm. you don't know if he's going to be in a studio, you don't know if he's going to be in, in television or in the media, or he wants to coach again. So we'll wait and see. I th- see that when we talk about Bayheim, yeah, unfortunately, that is my your go-to my, guy. my comparison.
0: Yeah, when no, you can no comparison,
3: I know there's no comparison. I know that Mike Bray never got to a Final Four, and I don't want to overstate how how th- that success in that way. But when you see a guy that successful treat people the way that he does, it shows you that you can be like that and just a normal person without having to be a jerk. And I think so. When you see coaches leaving and and dealing with things in a way that they deal with in post game, you know that's my in college basketball
2: my point of comparison. It's a good. It's a fair comment. Um, I got nothing but time for Mike Bray, and hopefully we'll get a chance to. Go to the linebacker with him. That would be fun, or wherever he wants to go. If he comes to Chicago, <laughs> Porter Moser is
3: another example. You know, Great you guy. mentioned Porter. No question. Whether it's at Loyola, as we got to know him, or at yeah. Oklahoma, still the way that people talk about him. Yes, that's the way you handle things when you are a coach whose example matters, and he sets the right one.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. We'll we'll talk about all this stuff. We'll talk about who's left and uh, who you're following. In the wide world of college sports, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that we finally heard from. Uh, I don't know where your mind is along those that front, but we'll get to all of it. We've got all the stories of the day. We're going to pick them apart with the pick six. It's Mully and Haw on the score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Hall, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then
1: open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw.
2: Pick 6 with Mully and Hall starts now.
1: Are you back on the bandwagon after the Bulls decisive and empathetic? 117-96, trouncing of the Denver Nuggets, does it matter that they're just one game out of the play-in game? I don't know if I'm on board again, but
2: it was an emphatic victory. I'll give you that. There's uh, there's no question that uh, that it was emphatic. Um, it, it's a nice win for a team that needed one, and for against the team that didn't lose very much at home. So, um, I. Uh, I think that, that, you know, like it or not, they're probably going to wind up with that last spot, frankly. I think that that's a really good win for them. I expect them to win another game. I think they're going to be in the play-in, which, I mean, my God, it was like a few days ago there were like two and a half games out, right? It seemed like it was over. Now I feel like, I don't know, they're only a game out, and Washington's going to give it up, and they, they're probably going to end up in the play-in. I don't know if I'm happy about it. I don't know how I feel about anything, but I think that the fact that Zach Levine is playing as well as he has of late is interesting to me, and I hope that uh, as long as they're trying to win, I hope they do.
1: All aboard, all aboard, choo-choo. I- I'm more on the uh, tank train than I am on this train. Mm-hmm. I did not expect them to win that game. I, I mean, it-, it always feels better when your your local team wins, but you got to think that 30 seconds of – Yes. Versus boy, it'd be nice to have a top four pick in the upcoming draft. So they have a couple days off. Can we do a live like Instagram pick six Saturday night after the Bulls lose to the Rockets? Nah. No, you're good. David's good. good? He's not on board with that. I'm good. Okay.
3: If you want to, I mean, you could, I'll, Maybe from a strip club, <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, exactly. The idea, what are you brandishing there? Molly? What yeah. are you holding up next to my shoe? Team? Look, winning is much better than losing, and the, the, the fourth uh pick and, and getting in position to do that is not realistic. I, I just think that you're at the spot you're in because you created this reality, the season is still disappointing. You win a game like you did last night, and there's no other reaction except for this is great that they finally played up to the, their potential. They were decisive. They were emphatic. They were all those words that you use after games like that. Zach was great. Patrick Williams came through in a way. He was aggressive and attacking. He's inconsistent, but when he's like that last night, you can see what this Bulls team is capable of. That's why you want to get into the playoffs, the play-in, or whatever the case may be, because they are capable of surprising you. They're capable of disappointing us as well, which is why I don't want to get too carried away with one victory against the Denver team that might have taken the Bulls lightly. They're entitled to a night off. It is the NBA, and they are now 30-5 and at home. They came in 30-4. and They are the best team at home in the league, so they're going to have nights like that. You don't want to overreact, but from the Bulls' perspective, it just reinforces this is a team that can play that well on a nightly basis, so now they've got to continue that, and they can, I think, find value in getting into the play-in round.
1: You know, when you listen to this question, you look at the big picture. After a night to consider Tom Thayer's suggestion yesterday that the Bears might consider drafting Anthony Richardson and developing behind Justin Fields, do you agree with that idea? What about taking a quarterback after a trade down?
3: No, I don't agree with that idea. I have a lot of respect for Tom Thayer. Um, I love the way that he made us think about this a little bit more because it is an an uh, orthodox approach to having that kind of draft capital. I, I don't like the idea because I don't think the Bears have the luxury of having a duplicate parts on their roster. I don't think they have the luxury of going out and drafting a quarterback and at the same time uh, committing to one. And they're both young quarterbacks. If you draft Anthony Richardson, he's backing up Justin Fields, who has something to prove in 2023, you just have too many other needs and you have too much other possibility in in using that number one overall pick to uh, accumulate assets, draft assets, whether it's for this season or in future years, as Ryan Poles is convinced he's going to get future first-round picks. So Anthony Richardson, as intriguing and as enticing as his combine performance made him as a prospect, I don't like drafting him or any quarterback in the first round, moving down. You want a quarterback for the Bears to back up Justin Fields, who's stylistically similar, find him in the third to fifth round. Go out and find him in free agency, but don't find him in the, in the way of, of trading down and, and taking Anthony Richardson.
1: Didn't um, Pat Manley also kind of go in these waters as well? So, I mean, there must be something there. I mean, are these guys on a, a text string with some other retired Bears that, that, that talk a little bit about Bears? In their spare time, so I I don't agree with it, but I mean these guys. Let's put it this: way. Tom Thayer doesn't just say things to say things. Like that's not Tom's style. He's not a hot take artist. Okay. I'm with you, David. Though I don't mind the idea of potentially getting a guy later on. Like would would Hooker from Tennessee be available, like in the fifth round, because he's coming off that injury? Would a guy like that potentially? Be available, but the Bears need so much. You, you can't, you can't do that. That they're not in a position to do that. I guess the only way is, how far can they go? How far down could they go? And then do we get into the idea of they're taking the best player available on their board because they got out of the top ten? I mean, if they got all the way down to twelve, let's say they traded the pick, three, they traded picks three times and got down to twelve, and all of a sudden they've got like three seconds. Future 24 and 25 first rounders coming later on. I mean, may, maybe then, maybe, but he's not going to be there if that's the case, right? I mean, the reason you got that far down is because people kept coming up to get that guy.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I've thought a lot about it, and I did. I spent some time just thinking about it. I, I I think we're missing the point here. I don't think this is about getting a player with similar traits to Justin Fields so that if anything happens you have a replacement player. I think this is a guy that would replace Justin Fields. I think what you're saying, what you're really saying, is that you don't believe Justin Fields is going to be able to make the breakthrough and hit the level that you need him to be to be a franchise quarterback. That's that's the undercurrent of this. The undercurrent is you're going to use the first overall selection to not, to not complement justin fields but to replace him and you're saying that okay you know he's not ready to go right away but you can win with justin fields then you'll have your quarterback that is going to be the guy that can be the franchise guy that takes you to the promised land then trade him that is exactly the that was kind of my conclusion then trade him now if you're if you're that unsure trade him and i and i again you're reacting to an unbelievable workout by a player. We've got to see if he can throw. We've got to see uh, how quickly he would adapt, What, what it, how his mind works, what he's like on the board. There's a lot of missing information. The The wow information is the workouts, and those were wow. And we kind of knew they were going to be wow, and they did not disappoint. So the other aspects of it are worth investigating, and maybe you do find that he is the guy that blows you away when all is said and done. And if that is the case, then you're absolutely right. Well, and I also think that, just to follow
3: up on that quickly, my, my, my mention of drafting a quarterback it, who's similar in style to Justin Fields is what I would recommend them doing later as, in a draft. As, uh, later yes. in the draft, as opposed to loading up at the position in the first round where Anthony Richardson surely is going to go. I just don't think that it is worthwhile because if you have reached that conclusion or creating that doubt about Justin Fields, pick a lane now and be definitive and what you think about him as as your quarterback.
2: And, And I feel stronger today than I have before about building this thing from the inside out. And you've got to get offensive linemen and defensive linemen and then defensive linemen and offensive linemen. And before it's done, make sure you get some offensive linemen and some defensive linemen.
1: (laughs) Can you believe this? Pick six. Where are you on the idea of signing Orlando Brown Jr. as a free agent left tackle, even if his abilities might not fit the team's scheme? Does the fact that the website Trench Warfare lists him as the only above-average starter available in this free agent class mean anything to you?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, Brandon Thorne does a really good job. And I think Trench Warfare did a really serious look at all the available players in uh, free agency. And he is the only one they consider an above average starter. Let me tell you something the Bears need above average starters. Okay. And again, I-, I don't know what is in Orlando Brown Jr.'s mind. I don't know if he wants to. Uh, Go someplace where you're going to win if he uh, if he wants just the most money he can get. I have no idea. I think that, you know, Ryan Pohl should know a lot more about the guy than I do. And this idea that, that he doesn't fit the scheme and he probably, you know, they really need a player who can do some different things. They need starter, above-average starter quality players, period, end of story. If he's the only one, I agree with what Tom said. If a guy can play, he can play. If a guy can play in Baltimore and play in Kansas City, he'll be able to play in Chicago. So go ahead and feel free to get the only above-average starting offensive lineman on the market. And the guy also, by the way, can play left tackle. So I would be all over this hire. I would pursue him. I would, uh, I would be banging on the door at midnight. I really would.
1: That's very interesting, especially after we had Coach Wanstead and Tom Thayer say the old uh, not-so-fast, my friend, on him, right? They they, they didn't Tom, say it was Tom, a bad Tom idea. Was in.
2: Tom was totally no, in.
1: No, did, no. Why, no he, why he was. was not. Tom was why in. He wasn't. But Tom wasn't in on backing up the Brinks truck. Tom wasn't in on, and so was Wanstead. Tom
2: said, "Tom said, get guys who can play, uh, and they, and you don't have to worry about scheme." Uh, That's uh, what Big, Tom Biggs
1: said. also was not like well, backing no, up the Biggs, Brinks truck.
2: And, and yeah. Dave were different. Yeah. Than Tom. I think
1: Biggs, I think Biggs is on one end. I think yeah. Wanstead's in the middle, and Tom was a little closer. But I think all three of them didn't like the idea of like, you know, spending putting all the chips into the middle on this guy. That's what I heard. Okay. And, and I'm just, I'm just. That's all I'm saying. They need, a, they need an offensive lineman. They need at least. I believe they need two. I don't think they need three or four. I, everybody. I'm listening to people talk about it. I mean, Tevin Jenkins, when healthy, plays a really good right guard. I, I, you can, you oh, can win football oh, games with Tevin. Yeah. Sorry,
2: Oh, the, the my back. Key words well, I did there. say, I did say, the if oh. we're listening, phrase, when, healthy, when healthy, when healthy, it would be bothersome to me. Asterisk. I, have I don't known, want guys with asterisks. I, I'm not uh, empathetic to a guy's injury issues when you. need Tevin to start. Jenkins could
3: be a good guard. He's not going to play tackle. Is just he going to be right guard? But is he going to be available? I don't know. Look, I think Molly's right here in terms of loading up with offensive linemen, even though you may feel like you have offensive linemen. I interviewed Patrick Finley on Football Night in Chicago last night, uh, and and his his free agent wish list began with Orlando Brown Jr. Not surprising there. But then he had Juwan Taylor next, and I asked him about it, and he said exactly what you said. You don't have enough offensive linemen. You're not very good there. You need to have protection for Justin Fields. If you believe in Justin Fields, you need to protect him. Go out and spend like you mean it. And spending like you mean it means – cost is and money is no object when it comes to orlando brown jr scheme be damned whatever it is change your scheme adjust it tweak it then you know what go get another tackle or another guard or whatever the case may be supplement your offensive line don't stop buying offensive linemen because you're afraid of how it will affect braxton jones a fifth round draft pick on on day three last year he had a very serviceable rookie year maybe you have something in him but you can find a way to use him he can be a swing tackle he's young but no, none, This is a very good uh, information from trench warfare. If he is that much different from everyone else in the in the class of free agents, go out and spend money that reflects that. It's a great
2: question.
1: Voices, Zach it will be with you guys at nine o'clock. Were you amused by New York Giants wide receiver Darius Slayton's Twitter response to Bear safety Jaquan Brisker's tweet calling Daniel Jones trash? Slayton merely tweeted a screenshot of the final score, 20-12. to Amusing or painful?
3: I think it was very amusing. I like the response. That's what these guys do these days. Social media is where they can have this kind of fun. I was more surprised uh, than amused that Jaquan Brisker went that route with Daniel Jones. They lost to the Giants. And you know what? Daniel Jones was one of the biggest reasons why. He didn't have huge numbers, but he hid the ball and made a lot of Bears' defensive backs look a little silly. So Daniel Jones, uh, Danny Dimes, that's a big stack of dimes after the contract that he signed. I don't know that I would be in a position to mock that if I'm Jaquan Brisker in, on, on a team that lost 14 games. So I understand where Darius Slayton is coming from. I probably would have uh, been inclined to do the same thing because Jaquan Brisker, that that was a little surprising.
1: Yeah, I think it's amusing. I think the whole thing's amusing. Um, I have no problem with Brisker saying what he said on social media and and I like the response. I think it's I think it's amusing. Not painful, just amusing. What would have been more painful if they had won that game and not be picking first in the NFL draft.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was amusing more than anything else. I mean, it's a painful memory that, that you know the the Bears really—they can't trash talk pretty much anyone, given what happened last year. Uh, but it was funny. It was funny. I thought it was funny that, and honest when he said uh, that the guy was trash. Hashtag facts. I thought that was funny from, <laughs> from, from, from Brisker. But this is equally good. You know, just just show the score of the game. Here's the screenshot of the score, and uh, that's our only response. Is he not a free agent? Is is Slayton out there? Is he available? Uh, that's pretty funny too. The idea that these two guys could be practicing against each other. That's it's not quite a meatball question. That's a good. That's a good question.
1: That's Tommy Haddavy. He's going to be here seven forty five this morning. Cubs pitching coach. Do you consider the Cubs eleven seven exhibition victory part of their cactus league winning streak? Either way. With just a few weeks left in training camp, have your expectations risen given the team's success, and will they exceed the anticipated win total?
2: Oh, boy. Yes, it's part of the win streak. It's another win for the Cubs. I I mean, I get it. It's Team Canada, and they're not playing by the same rules, but I think the Cubs are pitching really well. They've got an unbelievable overload of pitching. And I think that should impact the way we look at this team. And I think they're probably better. What was it, 74.2 wins or something, 75 wins, whatever the Pocota total was? I think they're probably better than that. I think they're a team that may surprise some people. They're built to play defense, and they've got good pitching. They've got depth in pitching, which is why they're probably ripping through the Cactus League as easily as they are. But why wouldn't this still be a, a part of what they're doing? I mean I, I you know, none of it counts. It's nothing to get worked up about. But they're on a roll and they won again. I I like it.
1: Does not count. Can't do it. Not part of it. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, I had so, I had so, that so, they, they were they <laughs> were considered it was considered air quotes air quotes a day off yesterday. They didn't even consider that, like, but, uh, yeah, they it's, acted it's like a, it didn't even happen. It's an
2: exhibition Right, game.
1: I mean, it's an exhibition game in an again. exhibition. Right, but they weren't even playing with but, the but rules. Who,
2: to, to, who cares if they win in the Cactus it's, League? It's for the
1: pride well, of North of course, America. Okay, they, they, listen, you want to set it up that way, then I'm all for it, okay? Red, white, and blue. But, <laughs> you know, sing our national anthem. Who's up on the podium? You know, Cody Bellinger and uh, Tucker Barnhart, since they first hit their each hit their first cup home runs. It's not I, part of the winning streak. It's an exhibition inside of an exhibition. I, that
2: winning streak isn't part of the winning streak. Okay. It's so all you're, exhibition. You're I, I, so now
1: you just flushed the whole damn thing. I, I, that doesn't make any sense. I just you, have a question. I have a question you for just this. Was, first of all, you, 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 you said that it, it counts. So they won eight in a row. Now you just said, said that it doesn't matter. It's well, all which part, part of it? them
2: winning, and it's all due to but the But then pitching. you said it didn't matter. Can I interject here in this ridiculous uh, debate?
3: So who did Rowan Wick pitch for yesterday? I just want to know, is he on Team Canada or is he on Team Cub? Huh. And where? how divided must his loyalties have been? Forget Dempster. He's in the booth. How about Rowan Wick? A, a house divided. <laughs> yes. Oh, way. Canada. Um, of course it counts. It counts as much as any other victory and any other loss it counts, counts in, in Arizona or spring training. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> except for if you're keeping, you know, bookkeeping and and, and keeping track of such uh, things. <laughs> But the bottom line is, the Cubs are pitching well. Yes. And this is a team, Is I'm looking forward to talking to Tommy Hodovey because I imagine he's got to be upbeat with where things are at this stage of spring training. A lot of guys whose names we're going to have to learn are competing for spots in the bullpen. A lot of guys who you expect to pitch well are pitching well. This is a team that has decided it's going to go as far as it's pitching and its defense takes them this year. And I like that approach, and so far so good. So I do think the Cubs have ma- maintained this all along. Wherever Pocota projected them to be, 73, 74 wins, I think they're going to be over that. And I think they're going to be over that because they're going to pitch pretty well.
0: well so,
1: okay, next question.
2: Dustin, the imaginary winning doesn't count as much as the more imaginary winning? Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
1: That's what you're saying. I'm kind of confused. Can't have it both ways. Any concerns with Dylan Cease allowing 11 runs while getting just two outs last night versus the Kansas City Royals? Well, I'm going to pretend that never happened. I'm just going to pretend that never happened. That was one of those
3: imaginary outcomes in in spring training that doesn't count. I'm not worried about Dylan Cease. I think that you have to leave open the possibility that, number one, he was – experimenting it is arizona you can make every excuse for dylan Cease because he has earned the benefit of the doubt i'm not worried about him you know having a tough start to the season it's one outing and i'm more concerned with how other socks pitchers are progressing i'm more interested in how oscar colas is really having a good strong spring training i'm a little bit more triggered by luis robert getting picked off for team cuba First base, mm-hmm. that that was not a good, uh, uh, him getting picked off on the bases. That that's not something you like to see in in the World Baseball Classic. But I am not worried but on the list of things to be concerned about. Dylan's. fairness, Seas. Yeah. in
2: fairness to to uh, to Luis Robert, that guy can throw over there as much as he wants. It's not a balk. <laughs> it's okay. Well, so he didn't know that. Yeah. Uh,
3: okay. You. You're in your socks, excuse-making uh, mode already. Socks already uh, not knowing
1: the rules again. Right? Socks already not knowing
3: the rules again. and making excuses for not knowing the rules. Tony took note. But I am I am not that triggered by Dylan Cease's bad outing. I'm only going to be affected or influenced by by one pitcher's bad outing. If Mike Clevenger doesn't pitch well on Saturday, I'll probably notice that and maybe make too much out of that. But not Dylan Cease.
1: Well, Dylan Cease afterwards said, "You know, flush it." Flush that one. You know, the other, you know, as we're talking about the exhibitions and the ridiculousness sometimes, the fact that Dylan Cease came back in. So he, he comes out of a game and then comes back into a game. I mean, and then gives up 11 total runs and gets two total outs. It would be a little bit of a cause for concern for me if I was a Sox fan. I guess most Sox fans are happy that I'm not.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, of course it's a cause for concern. I I don't know if he was working on anything, and I'm willing to throw it out, and I'm more than happy to not worry about it. But, yeah, I mean, you see that, and that's your best pitcher, and he got shelled, and it was weird. And I don't think there was any other way of looking at it. So, I you know, I'm not living and dying with the winning streaks. Uh, It's not like. You know, it doesn't mean anything to me in the exhibition season. I'm not limiting what my wins are, but I do get concerned when things happen and I happen to see them. But no, I, you know, I, it's very rare that I get to see anything with the White Sox. So I, I their ostrich approach uh, has impacted me. How many times are you going to take a shot at the fact
3: that they're not on TV during they're spring never training? They're
2: not on TV. I think they'll be on TV Sunday. Don't look. Uh, no, He'll be exactly on the score here.
1: on Friday. Who? The White Sox. Kobe oh, so they will be on
2: Marquee on Friday. they will we'll be, be on Marquee on Friday. But I, on, I would, I would, Saturday. I would
1: listen to him on the score first. Oh, of course, of course. I'd watch that's them awesome. on Marquee. Company
2: guy. Yeah, that's, that's That's great. I saw you. I saw Cow, uh, Crowley's out in uh, camp. Talk taking selfies with everyone. Crowley's in Arizona? Yeah. Crowley's in Arizona. He's Podcast got the, from Arizona? He's got Podcast the, coming. He's got the fly the W t-shirt on and he's posing with everyone. He's representing. S-
3: Selling the brand. You gotta well, do that. Sell, sell, sell. Representing Good the store. Good for
2: Crowley. 312-644-6767. The Extra Point is next. Mully and Haw on the
1: score. Set up this extra point.
2: It's time for the Extra Point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score.
1: What college basketball story piques your curiosity the most today? DePaul trying to pull another upset at the Big East Tournament. The Big Ten Tournament, Illinois playing today to see if they will face uh, a Friday contest against Northwestern, or is there something else?
3: Well, I think there's a lot in town to look at if you are a college basketball fan, and I still think there are a lot of big college basketball fans in Chicago. So the Big Ten Tournament here is a treat, a luxury. Nice to have that as an option. I'm most interested, with due respect to DePaul, big victory on uh, Tuesday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday night. I'm, Zach did a great job calling it. They got a chance to knock off Xavier and, and keep the season alive today. Don't expect that. I'm not as entranced or enthralled by that as I am curious about what happens with Northwestern. I think Northwestern to me is the story of the Big Ten tournament locally with due respect to Illinois, and certainly I expect Purdue to win it. And Zach Edey is somebody that when he's on the court, I can't take my eyes off of him because he's just such a different player, and he has come such a long way, uh, the Big Ten Player of the Year, from where he was three years ago. It's a tremendous story. But I'm curious about how well Northwestern will play, if they can handle success, if they can handle success – Of the season with 12 Big Ten victories, knowing the tournament is right around the corner. Chris Collins getting the most out of this team. They have been well coached to this point. They need to continue that. So to me, the most intriguing storyline locally as the Big Ten tournament is just down the street is Northwestern. I know they don't play until tomorrow, and I hope it's Northwestern, Illinois. So that's going to be fun to watch and see. But uh, definitely the Cats.
1: Well, I think March Madness officially arrived last night with that win for DePaul. And it's not because DePaul won. It's the way, the fashion in which they won. And the call that Zach provided, if you didn't catch it on the radio, maybe you saw Tim Brando on Fox call the game. Both calls very good, very exciting. But, David, I'm with you. You know, Friday at the United Center could be super special. But I think two things need to happen. Early the first game today, I need Michigan to beat Rutgers so that we get Michigan-Purdue in the first game on Friday. I think Dickinson against Edie is something that is must-see television if you're into college basketball, and that works out very nicely with our time slot. And then, of course, you want the Illini to beat Penn State you know, 5-ish this afternoon so that it sets up another 5.30 tilt with Northwestern. That would be a good, you know, have a little fish fry, have a little uh, cold draft beer and watch uh, Illinois Northwestern. That would be a good uh, way to get your Friday going, if you will. Perch?
3: Fish? You think perch? As long as it's fried, fried and it's white okay. fish, I'm
1: I, good with any of it. Just Cod, kids. perch.
2: Um, You know, I, I know that I'm supposed to stay within the uh, – uh, the, the kind of um, parameters of the question. And and I understand that I should have great curiosity about DePaul and what they're doing in the big East tournament and the big 10. I'll, I'll kind of tune in when it becomes Illinois against, um, against Northwestern. Should that game happen? I may watch Illinois today, but the game that I'm looking forward to today is North Carolina playing Virginia. North Carolina is a seventh seed in the ACC tournament they probably need to at least another quad one win, which they would get against Virginia if they win that game. They had a blowout win yesterday. They're playing better. That's a team that was the number one team in the country coming into the season and is out of the top 25 and is on the bubble of whether or not they're going to make the tournament. And they beat Virginia last time they played. And they kind of need to beat them again if they want to play in the that's tournament. That's going to be tough, though. It's going to be really tough. And they kind of need to beat more than Virginia. They're they're like 20-12, and 12, but they only have, what do they have, one or two quad one wins? They've got to get more. And the only team that's ever made the tournament with uh, one quad one win, I believe 2004 Michigan State. Is that what I read? Something like that. And they had, they had uh, been very good. Uh, the, the previous year, as was Carolina, so maybe there's hope for them yet. But I want I want North Carolina in the tournament. I really do. I, I just hate the idea that all that talent goes to waste and you don't see those it, guys play. It's and a remarkable fall. Laylock though. got hurt in yeah, the game yesterday. But, or yeah, and and we'll see if he can. He came back, but his ankle's bothering him. We'll see if he can play today. I know it. I know it's an incredible fall. I, I can't help it. I love the ACC tournament traditionally. It's always been good to me when I'm making my NCAA picks. And I, I for some reason, want to see North Carolina win. And they, they are a team that fascinates
3: me. Between now and Sunday, when the brackets come out, on Selection Sunday, yes. we're going to hear this a lot. This season, This season, it's unlike any other. This, yes. is, this tournament is more wide open than than right. any other. Do we say that every year or is this no. actually true this year? No,
2: this is more true this year because the names have changed. So, like last year we may have said that, but it was still Duke in North Carolina and there were still, you know, really good familiar teams. These are different programs. You know, we're going to we're going to hear from uh from uh Alabama at some point here. We're going to play Brandon Miller's response to uh to what's going on and his role in it, and really he said nothing other than that it's heartbreaking. So, the, so the teams but, at the
3: top are different, so that yes. makes it feel like yes, there's more parity. Yes, and Although, I think that's
2: probably. You know, I saw what's argument? his name? Who's the kid from Gonzaga? Drew Timmy. How, that guy's got to be 57 years old. He has tenure at Gonzaga. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's been there yeah, You know, Maybe it's because he's been so mustached yeah. and bearded all he, these years. <laughs> but I, I saw them win their tournament with that guy, and I just like, laughed. He looked like that when he like, was 12. Wow. Well, like, he's got to be in, like, his ninth year. <laughs> He's well, been there He's forever. got the COVID
3: year, then he's got the red shirt year, then he's yes. got the extra COVID yes. year plus, and then he exactly. filed a petition.
0: It's unbelievable. So, How yeah. long
2: has that guy been around?
3: He was enrolled when he was
2: 14, and now he's 27. Yeah. I, maybe that's it. You know, there, he's, he's one of these guys that had like a full beard at age 14, and you, you think he's older. But good God, that guy's been there forever. Yeah,
3: I think that the, the teams being different at the top probably helps explain it because – it does seem like the tournament has become harder to predict on a yearly basis and the degree of difficulty when you're filling out your brackets, not just because college basketball tends to be an afterthought in Chicago, but because the you look around the league and you're watching, you know, you consume it as a fan, it's like, well, you don't know what how to interpret certain things because you just can't predict them anymore. They're not as easy to predict. And the Big Ten having, you know, all of these teams the Big Ten could get ten teams in the tournament. Right. But what does that mean? That the Big Ten is that much more dominant, or they're just that much there's that much parity or or mediocrity around the league? Purdue might be the closest
2: thing to a great team in the in the Big Ten, but are they great? No, they're not a great team. And and, and we have a texter saying he saw North Carolina lose to Duke the other day, and they're not very good. They've lost to Duke twice, and they're not very good. And I think that's the point. They need to win, but they're talented. They're very talented. (laughs) I guess, I guess Hubert Davis can't coach. I don't know. Okay. I don't watch him enough, but I'm watching that game tonight.
3: They have not been the same team since halftime of the national championship game.
2: <laughs> That's they really haven't. Point. That's a good point. They never recovered. Wow. All one right. 312-644-6767. 67 67-67. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio. 6-7 of the score.
0: Ongenda called for a goaltending violation. Wow. The officials have gone to the replay monitor. Dave, you just saw a replay.
1: He caught that on the way up. That was a great block. on Genda. came from behind, whacked the ball hard. It's a block shot, no basket.
2: The final score, DePaul 66, Seton Hall 65. Demons win! Demons go to the second round. Mully at all, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. That is uh, Zach Zaidman with Dave Corzine. Ton of respect for both those guys. A lot of fun memories. And what a moment. What a March
3: moment. Yeah. DePaul wins the first time in 12 games. Little suspense there at the end. Zach captured the emotion there, the reaction, because you're watching and you're seeing, and, and I didn't see it live. But you go back and you see it, and like, well, that's that's got to be goaltending. And then it's like, no, you see it slow down, and say okay, no, that's not. Demons win, and they move on, and they play Xavier, and maybe they'll make something magical happen. I don't expect it, but you never know. Uh, DePaul's had a tough go. They've had a tough see, go this I, year, I,
2: and no question about it. And DePaul's had a tough go in the Big East. Um, here's my problem with DePaul, and and again, I know I went to Loyola. I know people are gonna think that this is driven by that. I, I'm not as interested in DePaul because I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think DePaul... I, I just don't think even if they put together... I don't think they're getting out of the Big East. I don't think they could win the tournament. So even if they put together another win or a couple more wins, I just don't know where that's landing me with the uh, with the Blue Demons. A team like North Carolina is is on the bubble. They're probably out right now. And they probably need to beat a really good Virginia team, and they pro- and that interests me. So you're looking macro versus micro.
3: That's it. Absolutely. The what happened last night to. Paul and the program is significant to the people in the program. Exactly. And to the small pocket of people and that God do tend to follow him. Yeah. It's, it's it's okay. It's great for them. Local and, group made good. Love it. You know, they needed that moment because to end the season on a 13-game losing streak is not the way you want to go into recruiting or the offseason. You want to have a little momentum. You want to have a defining moment. You need a picture for the front of the, of the media guide if you have such a thing still. So I get that. But I think macro, big picture-wise, for the tournament, and we're looking at this – you know, on Selection Sunday and what's good and bad for the tournament. I understand where you're coming from with North Carolina. I hope they get in as well. You'd like to see that. But I do think there's an there's a argument to be made, or, or I, I look at it this way too. I like it when there are surprise teams in the tournament. I like when you have the upstarts and the mid-majors and the guys that make a run or the surprise teams in a conference who might be catching lightning in a bottle. I like the rare... Appearance by maybe a Rutgers who might make a run. I know it's not the blue. That's a
2: that's a Big Ten school, well, and that is a that is a well, okay bad example. Okay, but, but no. But, but, I, but
1: to your point, David, they might have a play-in game. The first game today at the Big Ten tournament. If you look, Jerry Palm, who we've had on before. Yes. yes. So his last four in his last okay. his fourth team of his last four in is is Michigan. His yes. first four out fourth team. Is Rutgers? That's why they're you playing said it each other. So, like, yeah. they, so today's game See, is almost like a play-in game. Like yes. the, win, I think the winner of that game, I think they cement their spot in the tournament, and I think the loser is done. I don't I even, agree. They are that, no longer on their first game, four out list. Right. That's
2: a game I want to watch right.
1: because of that. Something exactly. On the line, right?
2: Something on the line. But like Some, Mississippi you know, the State. The other thing is, I okay. kind of like Michigan. I I I want Michigan to do well. I saw Jawan Howard play when he was in high school. And uh, I kind of like that storyline. Okay, I'm. Just, what I'm, I'm saying just being is that honest. when you, when
3: you look at teams that get into the tournament, you're like you like the brand name, you like
2: no, North no, Carolina, Michigan. No, 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 no. I Michigan. like Loyola. I like teams getting an opportunity, but I don't like the bottom of a Big Ten t- team getting it. You want to talk about mid majors? If you want to talk about I, 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 who who are his last four out, Dustin?
1: Last four out, Oklahoma State. Okay. North Carolina, yep. Arizona State yep. and Rutgers. Okay, sorry. But on last in, his last four in is last four in to okay. your point, Utah State. They are 24 and 7. They Great. have a net rating of of 22. Great. And they're hanging on Let them in. the edge, right? I, I agree, but on the flip side, Mississippi State, they're 20 and 11. He's got them in and North Carolina's 20 and 12. You want to watch Mississippi State play or you want to watch North Carolina play? I mean, if you're talking about the f- first four in and the last four out, give me North Carolina every day over Mississippi State.
3: I suppose that's so, true. I suppose, but but if it's a, if it's a Utah State, I understand what you're saying in terms of I North Carolina State getting in, in there
1: over North Carolina. I,
3: I do too, because I think sometimes the novelty of it is what appeals to a lot of the casual fans. The novelty of a of a season of a team you're not as familiar with, and you see the why they're there, and you start – look, it's about the story. It's about the backdrop. Uh, as a casual college basketball fan, I think you look forward to those kind of things, maybe a little bit more than having some of the Blue Bloods get in because of reputation.
2: Yeah, so we have a texter saying, watch out for Drake. Is Drake in the tournament? Yes. I, I thought the automatic bid went to uh,
1: – It's always the to, tournament to Bradley, right? Drake, Drake, Drake won. won. Drake
2: the won the, tu- the, tour- Drake the tournament. Drake won the
3: tournament. Okay. Yeah, that was – decisively you talk so about him. Bradley
2: out out see like i'd rather see them in than than rutgers for instance hmm You see what i'm saying i'd rather see a mid-major that won their conference but didn't win the conference tournament get into uh the ncaa tournament than than a team that uh is you know the seventh or eighth would you the rather league. see bradley than north carolina no okay I'm being honest. <laughs> I know, but that's you know but that's, a little, know,
0: like
2: but that's a little different though. I know, but that's a little different. I know they're a blue blood, I, but I, I I started the conversation dude, saying I wanted to see North Carolina get in. I, I know, and I'm asking you. So about- now you're asking me to to bounce. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'd rather see North Carolina out and a team like that in than a team like Rutgers or Michigan. How's that? That's fair. I th- there is, and no- I want to see
3: Michigan in. Listen, there's no wrong method. way to approach March Madness. You can approach it however you want to. You can root for whatever team you wish. That's the beauty of it. Everybody's got a reason for either picking the bracket or pulling for a team to get in who is on the bubble. And it's a fun conversation each and every year. I was surprised look, going back to the Drake Bradley discussion. Yes, that game over the weekend. That's always the first one of the first right championships to be decided.
2: Missouri, and Bell. so
3: you kind of pay half attention to it. And Drake, their athletic director,
2: yes. friend of the show, Brian yes. Harden. That's right,
3: former uh, Chicago Bears. PR guy. PR guy. Didn't
2: he work at Notre Dame for a while? Worked at
3: Notre yeah. Dame for a while as well. And so he's now the athletic director at Drake and get them getting in to me felt right and it was one of these moments that you you enjoy about this month because a program that, you know, has has some tradition has maybe struggled a little bit and now they are back in the
2: tournament. Fun. Yeah. Good stuff. I I'm not arguing it. I'm just saying that when I start Choosing mid majors over uh, big conference teams, I'm all for that. However, there I do want I, I do you know there are automatic qualifiers, and they end up playing each other and eliminating each other. And I think you know if why not put a team in with um with a 16 seed? Why not have a uh, Duke get in and play? Grambling or Howard or one of those teams that already qualified that people project to play each other. Why, why not make it easier on some of those teams with automatic. I think
3: they've begun to do that a little bit more in recent years it, because you get in as a quote unquote blue blood, or maybe right. you're one of the last four in, it doesn't automatically preclude you from being in that, you know, the, the play in round, or it might be one of those situations where you don't get the benefit of the doubt where you might've more, more so before.
2: All right, Mike is, uh, Mike is in uh, uh, LaGrange. Hey, Mike.
1: Hey, good morning, gentlemen. So we're talking about North Carolina. They started as preseason number one and yeah. then sleptwalked through the whole season. Like, they got no business being in the tournament. Give me the Bradley Braves all day, every day.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, that's fair. Um, but I'll take Carolina. <laughs> I, I love that you're sticking to that because
3: there, there's no – you don't have to apologize for it. Oh, I'm
2: not apologizing. I, I hope I don't, don't seem like no, I'm, but I, I'm I, tormented by the idea. Here's the thing. I'm asking the question, though. If, if Let that me say this lo- to you. Okay. Who's more likely to win the NCAA tournament? North Carolina. Okay. So
3: wouldn't that be awesome? But the tournament bracket is not about who's most likely to win it. It's who's most deserving of being in it. Um, it's the tournament is about the tournament, not the champion.
2: I think it's, it's about, about the it's, journey. It's the journey. And this is what I'm saying. I mean it, it would be, it would be mind-boggling if Carolina somehow squeezes into the tournament and then wins the damn thing. but it would be even I know more people would hate that rewarding but love it. for a program like Bradley
3: to get in as a second team from a conference than I, it would be for I, a blue blood to sneak I brought in. brought it up based I don't on, want on the brought reputation. It
2: up, but I, and I feel that way about every blue blood except for the ones
3: I like. If it were a year, that Loyola were second and lost in the way that bradley did and had the kind of year they I did i thought Would we you had stay? decided
2: to never speak of them again i thought we had made that declaration I know. i'm not backing you into a
3: corner but i like kind of backing you into a corner good god
2: <laughs> come on i'd rather see ball state in the tournament yeah. oh yeah now we're talking north carolina oh How's can that? we
3: you know, i want to
2: relive that glory the rick majerus era that was beautiful <laughs> I love that. All right. We've got John Haven joining us next. It's Molly and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio six seven of the score.